think it is at the time of this recording. We, right. It's Derby Week, right? Well, yeah, and it's just strange because that's always the first Saturday of May. So, I don't know. It just feels odd. So, but, happy Labor Day. <laughs> <laughs> so odd, but um, I'm just glad it's happening because it's such an old tradition Yeah, that we can't not have it. Yeah. Well, and to those of you that had tickets that you're not getting to use your ticket because they've scaled back so much. Maybe you had general admission infield tickets or some other ticket in that is not going to be able to be used this year. I'm so sorry. Yes. I was thinking, you know, this is a dream for me to get to go and dress up and have a seat. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, thank goodness I didn't have plans to go this year. And I'm like, or would that be glorious that you don't have as many people? You're getting the like VIP experience, but you're supposed to wear a mask if you're moving about. Oh, this is going to be so awesome to see what we see. There's going to be gingham mask. There's going to be monogrammed mask. There's going to be all things Southern in the masking. Well, I've already seen one that is got a hole it has a flap and a hole for your straw stop oh yeah. i thought you were gonna for some reason i thought you were gonna say cigar how awful that's would that be hysterical but that As prim if, and brim that's in bowling green that has all the hats yes. and they have online look them up if you would like to get a mask that has a straw hole um <laughs> for the derby Things or any I other time never thought we would say <laughs> on this podcast well you know, the Kentucky Derby's the longest continually held major sporting event in the U.S. history. I mean, that's amazing. This is going to be 146. Yeah. And normally they teeter around crowds of like 170,000, somewhere in that range. So this year they are not having any more than 23,000 guests expected. That well, is a big cut huge cut and I keep thinking about in all of these things just how that trickles down in the economy you know the guy that's grilling ribs out in his yard parking cars and he always makes a chunk of change yeah is not going to get to do that this year anyway (laughs) love that example well (laughs) well that's just getting real we but we used this glorious sporting event to dictate our topic this week and so we are here with a mint julep in hand (gasps) that laney made that is on point y'all i'm not always um an on point bartender but i have to say i'm so impressed with myself i would say more times than not you're on point well i can't i sometimes have to dapple a little yeah but this is experiment in the top two Mint juleps, I think I've ever had. Yeah, it's so it's good. It's so good. So anyway, um, it's a simple cocktail, but it is, some think, the most recognizable Southern cocktail of all. Yeah. Mint and we've got, what do we have, 10 cocktails we're going to talk about today? Yeah. So we wanted to lead with this one. Well, yes. Cheers to the Derby. Cheers. Let's talk the mint julep. So this is a obviously bourbon-based cocktail. Mm-hmm. Hence why it's so popular at the Derby. You're in the middle of horse 
and bourbon country yep. if you're in the Derby. Um, but it's very simple. It's got simple syrup and fresh mint mm-hmm. and a lot of crushed ice. Yes. And that's key. So and I think important. that's even probably why it got so popular because it yeah. has to be bourbon based and it has to be cold because yeah. you're so hot. Yeah. A lot of times the Derby. don't people um, chill their cup? Yes, yeah. and you've probably seen, I don't actually own the mint julep cup. It's like sterling silver, real pretty. So gorgeous. We're drinking ours just out of an old-fashioned glass. But yeah, um, yeah you want this drink really, really cold. Um, and you muddle your mint leaves, which, you know, that's an art in and of itself. You don't want it to be, like, floppy crushed. But you got to get that juice flowing so, yeah, I want to talk about muddling just for a second. Sure. Because it is important. It's a technique used to gently mash your herbs or sometimes a fruit just to get those juices flowing, yeah, waking it up. And, yeah. But you have to have a muddler. That's true. And if you don't, you can do it with a wooden spoon, but a muddler is a very good tool to yeah, have so on hand. Yeah, so it's got a rough, flat surface that will kind of poke holes if you will yeah just gently in your herb yeah um but you want to use a lot yes. in a mint julep yes larabeth watched me make this i put quite a few um, yeah. leaves in there you i mean did. i may have put just to make two i think i had at least 20 leaves in there i think you did too yeah um muddled muddled it up just a little bit mm-hmm. and um then added my simple syrup and bourbon and a lot of crushed ice. Then I just shook it up, poured it in the glass. Now, one little trick. I love the flavor of mint. Some people don't. You I know, do. Um, if you want it less on the mint side, you're going to muddle it less. Sure. Um, but I like a lot of mint flavor. So I even put the muddled mint at the bottom of the glass and put a straw with it right next to the mint. Mm-hmm. And I think it pulls more mint flavor when you do yes. that. Um but you always want to garnish it with some, just a sprig, not even breaking them off the, right. just put the sprig in there. And it looks so pretty. It's and so pretty. Summery. so good. But I, um, when I was first hearing of a mint julep, for some reason I pictured it was going to be a cocktail that had like creme de menthe. Right. Like in it, like something, um, yeah, creamy milky. minty. Yeah. 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 Not Me- at all. I think I did too. That's more like something else that's a southern drink called a grasshopper that yes. came out of New Orleans. But this is strictly bourbon, simple syrup, and fresh mint. Yeah. So it really does have a bourbon, a sweet bourbon flavor. Well, typically on a Kentucky Derby Day at Churchill Downs, they would serve about 120,000 of Not these. Unreal. There's so even a fundraiser that happens at the Derby every year where they make them... Um, with this Woodford Reserve, and I think it's a thousand dollars a drink it's, or it's something, gold, and it's for gold-plated glass, <laughs> the silver straw for fundraising yeah. purposes. But um, anyhow, it is definitely the signature cocktail. In fact, uh, Churchill Downs since 1938, I think they've called this their official cocktail. And they have collectible Kentucky Derby glasses that you can get, um, the whole nine yards. And one thing I wanted to mention while we talked um, this famous cocktail is the U.S. Senator Henry Clay of Kentucky introduced this drink to Washington, D.C. Oh, when really? he went there. 
um, at the Round Robin Bar in the famous Willard Hotel. Oh. So two years ago, I got an opportunity to go to an amazing event with a friend of mine who's a descendant of a president. So we actually got to go to the White House and... I got to meet a lot of really unreal, it was an unreal experience, but I got to stay in her room at the Willard Hotel. Yeah. And um, so I got to have a couple of cocktails in the round robin bar, and I didn't know this story. Okay. And so when I got there, and it's a beautiful bar, it oh, literally is round. I bet. There's been a lot of, you know deals made in the round robin bar because it's I would literally so. right by the white house i would say daily they're seeing deals <laughs> exactly. yes but their signature cocktail is the mint julep and i was going what so it's you saw that somewhere yes oh and then gosh. it tells the story okay. of how that became their you know their signature drink. cocktail wow but um it kind of surprised me because it's not like that's the deep south or something no. where you know i just was kind of surprised that is funny but, I guess it's not just a thing in Well, that makes actually, that makes sense to me that it would be there as well, because this came out of about the late 1700s, and it was only the elite that were consuming this, because not everyone had access to ice. True. (laughs) I see the things we forget. Nor the silver. For sure. I mean, we've already said we don't have silver cups today. We do have ice. Thank you, Lord. Yes. But yeah, so that eliminated so many people. Just not forget access to bourbon, just the ice and the silver. The silver. So it stayed kind of an elite drink for a long time and kind of still is, in my opinion. That's true. You think of, you know, the she she seersucker suit guy and the girl in her. Mm hmm. Sunday best. I mean, or, can you imagine ordering a mint julep at just a regular old bar? Like a... That doesn't have of a some sort bar. of wood, pretty wood in the side. Yeah. So funny. Anyway, okay. Let's... Well, let's yeah. Move Nothing on. says wrap around porch <laughs> like a mint julep, does yes. it? Or a sweet tea, I guess. Yes. Those two things. Well, yes. Cheers. Enjoy your it's sipping so over Thank there, you. sister. Thank you. Hey, I just had an idea. We should do sort of a pantry list for our Patreon community. Ooh, you mean like what to keep on hand? Yes. All the time? Like your staples. How yeah. to set your bar, not the liquor part, but like the extras. Yeah, like okay. your tonic waters and your, I love I'm not going to give away too much, but let's. That's a great idea. We'll do a post this week and just have a little pantry list. Maybe even for mocktails as well like these are just good things to have on hand well mine would be the same like okay because all you're gonna do is maybe either add in a non-alcoholic addition addition or just use these things cool love it okay we'll do that okay we got several more to showcase today let's talk about the sazerac um okay it is consists of rye whiskey bitters and absinthe Originally, Yes. This comes out of New Orleans. So in the early 1800s, the Sazerac was originally made with, um, I think it was made with cognac. I believe you're right. That's correct. And Pichaud. That's Am I we, saying it right? You, we, I had to look it up. Pichaud yes. Spitters, because that was the guy's name who created it. And so um, he named the drink for his favorite brand of cognac. And... By 1870, cognac was harder to come by, so rye whiskey was the substitution. Insert rye whiskey. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Now, I've 
heard some claim that this is the oldest known American cocktail. That makes sense, too. With origins in pre-Civil War New Orleans, mm-hmm. um, though that's disputed. Yeah. So, I don't know. In fact, I heard... I, as I was doing research on this episode, the, this name kept coming up. David Wondrich. Who's okay. a um, drink historian. I'm like, how do you get that job, drink historian? You would be really good at that if you so want to switch careers. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was funny. I'm like, drink historian. So he actually disputes that it's the oldest. But what does he say is, you think? It did not say that. So. Mint Julep is saying that they're older they're saying oh. late 1700s okay so well we'll go with that I, I didn't ask i didn't i didn't see what but this drink the sazerac became the louisiana's official state cocktail yes in just as late as 2008 okay anyhow well i did find a good um full backstory that i might link to in our show, show notes about on the sazerac one. yeah well i have to say i am not a big fan of absinthe yeah. Or that flavor, yeah. like that licorice so anise yeah. flavor. Yes. Um, which is what Herb Saint goes yeah. in. Yes. If you can't get absinthe, which I think it's easier to get now. That's a whole nother story we could go into. Absinthe, absinthe in the band that yes. happened. They yeah. I thought it was like, you know, causing people to hallucinate and right. all this kind of stuff. So anyway, that's all. That could be its own episode. Um, but yeah, I not a fan of that flavor so sazerac isn't my thing yeah but well you can actually buy um pichaud's bitters on amazon okay and and they're only 15 dollars and so that would be a nice way for you to try and sort of get this and it's actually in quite a few cocktails yeah i mean so it's not like you're only stuck to making this one yeah but it's like you were saying, it, it's definitely licorice, kind of that woodsy, um, herby. Yeah, maybe even like a saffron kind of um, caramel, all those sorts okay. of flavors. flavors, flavor profiles. And I usually do like to experiment with things like that, but I don't know. That's just, this one's not my favorite favorite. Yeah. So, well, we have to mention it because we kind of have two categories in our um, <laughs> list today. We have bourbon. Or New Orleans. Or New Orleans. Yeah. Or in this case, that one falls in both. both. Well, yeah. it's rye whiskey, yeah. but still. So speaking of bourbon, we do need to mention the Old Fashioned. Oh, which one I feel of my like, favorite. I feel like the Old Fashioned gets a mention about every third episode, right? I just love that drink. Um, so easy to make. Super easy. Um, I usually make it by just, I have a, a pack of sugar cubes. Okay. So I usually just. Put your bitters on that cube. Put my bitters on there. Kind of crunch it down or muddle it a little i don't actually have a muddler you would crack up if you saw what i used to muddle it's some sort of piece that goes on like my mixer it works i can see that or if you have a mortar and pestle some people will use the pestle yeah that that would totally work but yeah just um some bourbon that you like the um sugar cube and orange twist and then some bitters yeah i'm such a fan of cherry that i like you like that cherry yeah kind of flavor in there but you know supposedly this came from louisville mm-hmm. um, a club called the pendennis club okay um supposedly is where this start started um and i think it was a pretty she club okay in 
Okay. Anyway. Okay. I think that's where this drink yeah. was birthed, but yeah. it's definitely worldwide now. I mean, that's not a Southern thing. That's a... It's not. It. I feel like it has Silver. taken on the martini that had... like Or the, the Mar- Manhattan. Like, as popular as Manhattans and martinis were in, like, 90s, early 2000s, yes. I feel like the old-fashioned has wiped those out. Well, and bourbon has gotten more popular yeah. in general. Yeah. So then that's going to make bourbon-based cocktails more yeah. popular, too. It's true. So, yay for the old-fashioned. Again, ice is important. So it's and totally different. And than totally this different. Mint julep we're having. You do not want a Don't bunch of crushed ice it. in an old fashioned. You want a big cube if you can have like one singular large um, square circle, whatever. Yeah, that's not going to dilute your yummy bourbon. Mm-hmm. You want it to just slowly melt. Yeah. So that's why that's so key. Who knew? You know, when I was in college and you just mixed whatever you had, I didn't know the ice mattered at all. So speaking of college, number four on my list <laughs> is I love this. the most basic of cocktails. So hopefully we haven't lost you if you're going, Not I don't know what a bitter is yeah. and I don't plan to buy one. <laughs> I've got your cocktail ready for you. Enter the Jack and Coke. Okay. Two ingredients. Did not even have this on my list. You didn't? No, but it's got to be Southern. It, it's considered a cocktail, I would think. Well, yeah. Um, two ingredients. Or a mixer. Both Southern. Definitely on the list. Lord, so both those products made right here in the South. Yeah. So I I have seen, you know, try and do about one part Jack Daniels to three to five parts Coke. But I think most people just sip and taste to get it to whatever strength that you want it. Now, we had a funny story this week. <laughs> We had a meal with a friend who we got talking bourbon, and he started sharing about the one time he found oh. at a gas station a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle. 24. 24, mind you. Um, I don't remember what he said he paid for it. $70. That's unreal. But I don't remember what how many oh, years this was ago. a while back. Anyhow, he did say he was headed to his brother's hunt camp, and they haven't had that for... 20 years so it's yeah. not that long ago okay anyway um he opens the bottle to share with his friends which is what you do we've talked about that before and a customer that he was there to visit yes before he could stop him had poured i think he was showing us what would you say that is about three to four inches yeah in the glass already yeah. of that 24 year pappy and then proceeded to pour diet coke all over it yeah and he couldn't even stop it from happening. So Anyone that knows bourbon is cringing right now. Don't use that in your if jacket. If you don't, I'll your... give you some perspective. This friend of ours said that that bottle today would be worth $10,000. That sounds high to me, personally. Yes. But I definitely think you'd be knocking on two to ten. Like, if you yeah. were in the thousands, yeah. for so sure. So imagine putting, so you can't let's, even find let's one say, $2,000 bottle. Let's Don't put pretend. your Coke in it. Or your Diet Coke in right. it. Please, please, please. <laughs> okay, Jack on Jack and Coke. All right, so number five. I just found this kind of funny. There is a cocktail called the Sealbach, and it's also from Louisville mm-hmm. um, because it's bourbon based. So they're you know high on the yes. They're gonna, using their bourbons over there. They're going to use their resources well. This one is bourbon, orange liqueur, Angostura bitters. Pichot bitters. I'm yes. like still okay. trying to make sure I pronounce it right. And sparkling wine or champagne. Oh. So. I love sparkling. They say it's kind of a mashup of a Manhattan and a champagne cocktail. So this is what I found so funny about this. The, um, the story goes 
that this cocktail was um, really old from this Seelbach Hotel in Louisville. Okay. That's where the name came okay. from. Okay. Um, but this bartender shared this story that and and it that it was pre-prohibition and you know okay. he found the recipe when he became the bartender there in some place in the hotel um it became really popular not just in louisville but like other places people wanted the seal bock um and in 19 he later said that he totally made the story up <gasps> so it really wasn't birthed until 1990s Oh my gosh. Um, he just wanted it because the hotel has such a great history. He thought that, that there should be a cocktail to go with it. Wow. So he totally made the story up. But the hotel wow. is in the Great Gatsby. It's where like the wedding took place. I, it's so strange. I just watched rewatched the old Great Gatsby. Oh movie really? Okay. It's so beautiful. That's fun. So anyway, I um was got tickled that he had this whole story going about this because it seems like there should be a great yeah. cocktail that goes with a great hotel. I agree. I agree. So anyway, the seal box, it's not that I want to try that. I haven't had that before. Um, but I also feel like we should. Yeah, you like drinks that have the champagne fizz. I so, love it. Yeah. I would like that a lot. Spark- when anything that's topped with sparkling, when I look at through menus, I, if I see that, I order it. Um, we should discuss bitters just for a second. Okay. Because we've mentioned We've mentioned them, them a lot. On previous episodes, and we've never really gone into it. And since we're talking cocktails, we really need to. Bitters are slightly confusing because in their name because, I mean, in my mind, that makes you think that they're bitter. And that's not necessarily be. true. Um, they are flavoring agents. They're used, you know, a lot of times in cocktails. I think their original purpose was was for medicinal reasons okay yeah i think i have heard that like they were made in apothecaries yeah yeah things like that so most bitters are made by steeping botanicals in a high proof alcohol like an everclear or a whiskey for a variable amount of time okay there are three that i would probably say are the most popular used in cocktails these this Pichaud that we've mentioned, which mm-hmm. has the licorice sort of flavor, and that's used in the Sazerac, as we mentioned. Angostura. Angostura. Um, theirs is kind of known, and I don't understand why they do this. They always have an oversized label. <laughs> I don't know what that is either. And I always buy the orange version. Okay. They're orange bitters. I love their orange bitters. But um, So that would be found like in your old fashioned. And then, um, let's see. What is the other one? I thought I had three. Um, well... There's so many now. Well, I guess orange bitters would be considered its own. Yeah, that that would be the third. Okay. So, yeah, those would be clear orange-hued citrus bitters that are a lot lighter than the other two I just mentioned. But you can find cherry bitters, walnut bitters, lavender bitters. I mean, it's endless, the different directions you can go. I don't think any of us can stock them all in our home. But, um, But they do add a nice flavor yes. to a cocktail. It gives it like depth or something. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it other than that. Like, you know how you have like what hits your tongue first and later. It yeah. does add depth to that. And I think it helps because a lot of times what hits your tongue first is alcohol stings and hurts. So I think it helps soften. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I just wanted <laughs> no, to mention, I'm glad you mentioned that because sometimes I, you just assume that, and that's not, I don't even understand all of that. Yeah. So that's great. Okay, let's see. We are at number six. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about 
a Bloody Mary. Now I don't have okay. I don't have proof that this is Southern. Yeah, I'm, I'm calling this Southern because it is tomato based and has Tabasco sauce. In that's it. fair. I didn't think of this as Southern, but yeah, that's totally fair. And in my mind, Bloody Marys are reserved for <laughs> hangovers. <laughs> well, I was gonna say airplane rides and brunches. Yeah, I think brunches. And, but I also think you you think about people. I don't like them personally. I don't love tomato juice. Yeah. So this is never going to be my drink of choice. I'm going mimosa if I'm at brunch. Me too. But but um, this, this is I wanted to mention it too because it's vodka based, and we had so we much that was bourbon based that I wanted to bring in something else. So this would be vodka, tomato juice, lemon juice, Worcestershire sauce, Tabasco sauce salt and pepper and then oftentimes people will stick a celery stick in yes there to garnish and have you seen now people do all kinds of crazy things there's yes. shrimp on bacon i mean there's all this stuff sticking <laughs> like out the whole skewer. Of, yes, yes. <laughs> i guess yeah. that's the way they can charge even more for it yeah. i don't know but yeah i guess i can see how you would throw that in as southern yeah so anyway we're taking credit for it whether we should or not <laughs> Okay, next up is a drink I have never tried. I used to occasionally drink a slow gin fizz. Uh-huh. This is called Ramos Gin Fizz. Okay. Based on the name Henry C. Ramos, who created this classic gin cocktail. Okay. It's from New Orleans. New Orleans. <laughs> Shocking. Um, supposedly in 1888. Okay. So, um... The thing that is so funny about this cocktail is, in fact, I've almost wanted to jokingly go up to a bartender and order it just to see what their reaction is. Because apparently bartenders hated making this. Oh, really? Because it has to be shaken for 12 minutes. No. Now, that in 1888 probably was true. Now we have what's called a frother. And I would think they would have one close by if they're making this. Because you've got to froth egg whites and cream. Oh, my goodness. And there's no way to do that. Yeah. But shake it. Yeah. So apparently this was like a bartender's worst nightmare when my people ordered it. gets frozen to the shaker on a 30-second shake. <laughs> I can't imagine. If you had to froth. Having to froth that long. So this has egg whites and cream, okay. which is so odd to me, but it's a gin-based. It has simple syrup, lemon juice, um, some club soda. Mm -hmm. So I would like to try it sometime yeah. just to see. Yeah. But um, I almost wanted to print out. A, actually, I may have printed out a picture just to show you because in the glass, it's really pretty to me because it has that frothed, yes, creamy so kind pretty. of look. Yeah. Um, looks like a milkshake. <laughs> it looks kind of like a milkshake, except that it has a sort of because of the glass citrus that they are garnish. It. Yeah. But um, anyway, I wanted to mention that because it was another one born out of New Orleans. That's and, so fun. Um, was quite popular in a lot of the different lists that I came across. Um, so yeah, cool. Well, sticking in New Orleans, let's go down to Pat O'Brien's where oh, the famous hurricane was birthed. So this cocktail became popular at Pat O'Brien's bar there in New Orleans in 1940s. And it's said that O'Brien created the heavily rummed drink as a means to get rid of a large stock of rum that his southern distributors forced him to buy. Oh my gosh, we do what we have to do when we have excess. And it does have a lot of rum in it. It's still super popular, and 
nothing says bachelorette party and Mardi Gras <laughs> to me like a hurricane. It's even got its own glass, though. It has How its cool own is that? glass. I mean, it's that popular. So, um, yeah. Uh, what else would I say? Well, I was thinking this is one that you actually could make as a mocktail as well. Some of these yes. are so heavily, there's yeah. not a lot of ingredients. They're like two but, ounces in a sugar cube. Right. You can't change Can't much. really do much yeah. with that. But um, passion fruit juice and fresh lemon juice, I'm drinking that mm-hmm. regardless of if you put alcohol in it. Yeah. Um, put it in a pretty glass and I'm happy as a lark. So, yeah. anyway, I thought that was worth mentioning. Well, and it does have a lot of juice ingredients. So if you don't have passion fruit, orange juice, fresh lime juice, grenadine, simple syrup, if you don't have all of that, you can buy the Pat O'Brien's. Of course you can. Because he's an mi- entrepreneur. Already mixed up. Um hurricane mix you can get that at patobrines.com so <laughs> sold at the bar too um but then all you need is your rum and a cherry yeah you've got a hurricane yes so that's fine yeah definitely so a- much came out of new orleans like we need to do a whole week of just eating and drinking in new orleans in new orleans yes yeah. and then next up charleston yes. i mean really yes but um, one I don't even have on my list, I did look it up to see if it was Southern. But I've seen in New Orleans that French 75. My favorite cocktail ever. So good. Yes. Isn't it? Yes. So I thought, okay, I see that in New Orleans a lot. Is that Southern? It is not. Oh, it is French. I thought you were going to tell me it's Southern. I was going to love it even more. <laughs> um, named after a World War One artillery that was used. Okay. In France. Okay. So anyway, that's where the name came from. But it has the champagne in it, and it's yes. pretty. And um, But there's a restaurant, Arnaud's Restaurant, down in the old New Orleans restaurant. Their bar is called the French 75. Mm. So I thought maybe it was Southern, but it is not. It's not. Yeah. Um, okay. Another Southern goodie mm-hmm. <laughs> out of Harry's Bar in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, okay. is the Alabama Slammer. Okay. Um, I don't, I've never had one of those. Okay. Well, I don't think if I'm remembering correctly, really fruity, um, orange juicy, you know, so orange juice drinks are popular with college football because you tailgate sometimes early. Yeah, that's so true. Games can start. I don't know if that's why this one got popular with Alabama football, but it's Southern Comfort. Okay. Slow gin, amaretto. So Mm. we're getting a lot of alcohol in here Mm -hmm. in our orange juice. Um, and you garnish with cherry and orange. Okay. So anyway, that one um, is very popular at football tailgates in like Alabama. That's probably where it came about was tailgating. Tuscal- yeah, and Harry's Bar claims that they came up with it okay. in Tuscaloosa. So I've never heard anyone dispute it. So. <laughs> and of course, they're going to name it Alabama Slammer because <laughs> right. oh, Alabama and their football. Which, by the way. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen in the And SEC? we might know at the time this comes out. Who knows? Oh, true. We're recording yeah. a little already. Sorry. Yeah. I'm not supposed to do that all the time. But <laughs> Okay. Okay. Finish out the list. What's number 10? Well, you know what? The, I, oh. We're going to well, talk I about it, but we're not. It. Exactly. This is teaser for Christmas. Okay. The Milk Punch. I mean, yeah. people would probably listen to this and go, oh, my gosh, they didn't even talk milk punch. Are they Southern? Well, we're going to go there. But I said, let's let's mention it, but wait and do a whole episode on, like, yummy holiday drinks. Seems like 
fall and Christmas deserve their own sort of yeah. punch and seasonal drink. Yeah. In fact, there was another punch that we mentioned on a prior episode that's pretty popular down from Savannah that's called Chatham Artillery Punch. Very old, mm. like from the 1800s as well. So maybe we'll mention those on our holiday drink. I feel like South Carolina loves their punches. They just must have They done... want to pull out those pretty bowls. Yeah. And... Do their entertaining. Maybe that's why. But this milk punch is kind of a southern eggnog, if you will. Not Mm -hmm. quite as thick, Mm -hmm. but um, brandy-based drink. So that'll be fun to talk about later. That's so true. Brandy does seem to surface a little bit more later in the season (laughs) or later in the year. Yeah. Well, that's going to round out our list of southern cocktails. Again, happy Derby to everyone. Make sure you tune in and watch and. yeah, I just, just to commemorate the just wonderfulness of your drink that you made us today, I will post a picture on our Instagram. Oh, please do. And um, that way people can see how pretty it is. And just even how you can position your straw right into your mint to get that good flavor. So. That's right. That was my own little tip for y'all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you got anything else? I think that'll do Okay. It. Well, peace be with you. And also with y'all. <laughs>